Eagles Entertainment. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and we've got an NFC East battle to break down as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 431. At the top of today's show, we've got three and out, where I chat with Chris McPherson and discuss the things that he thinks are most important to keep in mind as we get closer to Sunday's battle against the New York Giants. We're going to be talking about Jalen Hurts and James Bradbury and Brandon Graham, a bunch of Eagles here. Do not miss it. We'll do it right at the top of the show. After that, we've got Chalk Talk, where Ben Fennell and I jump into the game from an X's and O's standpoint. We'll talk through the matchups that matter, stats that stand out, and what was what spoke to us after watching the film of both of these teams that are playing on Sunday. Then to close out the show in faux focus, we're going to do something that we did last week, and that's catch up with someone who used to be on this Eagles beat. And with the Titans, it was Teron Davenport. But this week, we're going to stay with ESPN. We're going to go to Jordan Renan uh, up there in North Jersey covering this Giants team. We'll talk with Jordan and get his take on the Giants for both sides of the football, see what they have most confidence in going into Sunday's matchup. Before we get there, a couple things as always. Number one, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you've got a question about this Eagles team as we get into the, the back stretch of this schedule heading towards the postseason, leave it there in the comment box. We will answer it here in an upcoming episode. Also, wanted to let you guys know we caught up with Eagles pass game coordinator Kevin Petullo this week on Eagles game plan. He did an outstanding job breaking down some tape. We did a couple of the touchdowns from last week against the Tennessee Titans, one of the other big third down conversions as well. And uh, Coach Patula, we're going to go through some of the audio clips here in this podcast, but you want to make sure you check out the full video because uh, he and I, he went through some visuals uh, in terms of like uh, the wide, some wide receiver coaching points when looking at A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. So you do not want to miss it. Again, that is a segment. It is called Tape Study. It airs on Eagles Game Plan. I saved a couple bites for you right here. What else can we say at this point about Jalen Hurts? Outstanding performance this past week, over 380 yards against the Tennessee Titans. Before we dive into these plays, talk about what you've seen from Jalen so far this year. Jalen's really done a tremendous job of just improving each week. We give him new things every week to kind of go for, and every week he comes out on top. And you can see last week it was a run game, this week's the pass game. So right now he's playing at a high level and really seeing things very well. Coach, when you talk about uh, Devontae's route, he, he presses this so fast and, and attacks the technique of the corner. Can you just break down exactly what Devontae does here on this play? Sure. So really the most important thing on all these post routes is you got to step on their toes. Mm. Whether it's seven, nine steps, you got to close cushion, really step on their toes, stick it as an indicator, and then set the angle for Jalen immediately so he knows where the landmark is to throw the ball off the safety right here. So really we're talking when you say stick it, you're talking about this motion right? Right there. Beautiful. Really, really great job. And that's something you saw from him at Alabama the time and time again in that Heisman Trophy campaign. How is it that you have a, a player that is that refined as a route runner coming out? What is it like working with that once he gets to the NFL? You know, when guys are, are really good in their detail and fundamentals, it makes it easy as coaches because now you can just teach them schematically where we need them to be and then how to get there. So, I mean, there's so many routes that Devontae runs each week where he's winning because of just the detail. And this is a route right here that you're going to show. This is another one here on the first third down of the game where he won again off technique and detail right here. Both plays so far, we've seen the use of pre-snap motion to kind of Correct. help out the quarterback and uh, define the picture for him. Uh, just talk about different ways you use that, not just in the run game, but pass game as well. Yeah, so anytime you can help the quarterback diagnose quickly and really 
accelerate his vision and process, whether it's motion or shifting, is what you want to do. Everything is designed for him to speed it up post-snap. So pre-snap, whether it's motion this way, whether it's a shift, you want to try to give the defense to show their hand, okay, it's a man zone, now I can play fast. You don't want him to have to wait post-snap and really, you know, obviously we have great protection always, but you want to try to speed it up for Jalen as much as you can. And Jalen talked after the game about, you know, that, that play might be designed to go to Devontae on that outbreaking route, but those guys that are running those clear outs, they got to be ready at any point. We've seen that to AJ Correct. numerous times this year. When you get a one-on-one and you got your, your big-time guy one-on-one, especially on a vertical route, we want to take that shot. Mm-hmm. And he got one right there and he was able to take a shot and it worked out tremendous. Earlier we got Devontae on the post on one-on-one and on that sale route, and then we got AJ on one-on-one. So as many times as we can get one-on-one guys like that helps the quarterback out tremendously. And again, for that entire segment, be sure to watch Eagles Game Plan. You can check it out. It goes up Fridays on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and all of the Eagles digital channels. That said, let's now transition into three and out. It's time to welcome in Chris McPherson. How about this for a start? They've got him again! What a defensive stop. Slave second pick of the game. Oh, I'm going to have to call him big play. And this defense does the job. One, two, three and out. All right, let's get rolling here with Chris McPherson for three and out as we uh, get this thing rolling here, talking about some Giants here. Giant week, better believe it. So I'm going to do something a little different to kick things off here on three and out. Uh, I'm going to a little tip of the cap to one of our favorite players in franchise history, Brandon Graham. No doubt. I thought you had a great, great Twitter post after he was named the team's nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award just about the person he is, how genuine he is as a person, how heartfelt he is, and the way that he is connected with the community in a way that is so simple. But if you haven't watched the piece... Yeah, like literally like hit pause on the podcast and go watch <laughs> like go watch the piece. I mean, Chris awesome. Barletto, phenomenal. Producers, yeah. he'll, he'll win an Emmy for this one. This yeah. is phenomenal. I, I was in tears, I'll, I'll admit it. I was I, crying at my desk watching it yesterday. Yeah, I, fortunately, I was working from home, and I was able to do it in the <laughs> privacy of my bed. But nonetheless, on our YouTube channel, it's This Will Make You Cry, and I think it's like a challenge. It is going to make you cry, yeah. what he has done for people outside of the building, not just the, the his teammates and coach and all that stuff. Um, but the reason I want to start with that is – as the Eagles get ready to play the Giants, he almost became a Giant. Mm. Let's go back to 2015. He wasn't always the you know stellar defensive end, Pro Bowl defensive end, who strip-sacked Tom Brady to help secure the team's first Super Bowl championship. I mean, you go back to when he was a first-round pick in 2010, yep. had the knee injury, there was the Earl Thomas comparisons. JPP He's, comparisons. JPP comparisons, struggled the first few years in the league, took him a while to get his footing you know, when he started to take off, he was hitting free agency. He all he was very close to signing with the Giants back in 2015, and it's one of those things where what would have been yep. if he had signed at that point. And what the thing I want to touch about is you look at Brandon Graham, you look at Jason Kelsey, and the speech that he had after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. That it's not just about the players themselves; it's the journeys they've taken to get here and the ad- adversity that they've overcome, you know, BG, again, we talked about what he went through. Kelsey, he had some down times, and his speech kind of highlighted all the criticisms that coaches had, his teammates had, uh, you know, executives, Howie Roseman, you know, what all these guys have overcome. And you look at the current team today, you look at a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, who you go through his college career at Alabama, getting benched in the national championship game, having to transfer eventually. 
You look at when he was going to the senior bowl, there were people who thought that he should have been, you know, trying out a running back. There were people that when he was selected by the Eagles in the second round, that it was a reach of a pick. That it's not just about who the players are, it's what they've overcome to get to this level. So kind of veering off on that as we're looking at this week's matchup, another move that is one of those what could have been or how will it play out in history is James Bradbury. Sure. You know, you look at James Bradbury, who was a big ticket free agent signing of the Giants, earned a Pro Bowl invite with them in 2020. Well, he was cut after the draft, and the Eagles, Howie Roseman, Jake Rosenberg, credit to them that they had the resources and the wherewithal to be able to be ready to pounce and solidify one of the question marks on this football team going into the season. And you just look at the numbers that he has produced and this defense has produced with his addition. Okay, Bradbury himself is fourth in the league in pass coverage grade, according to Pro Football Focus. The entire league among all cornerbacks. Darius Slay, his teammate, is eighth, okay? So pretty good one-two punch right there. The Eagles lead the league with 21 takeaways and 15 interceptions. The Eagles, as a team, have limited opponents to a league-low 73.6 passer rating and a 60.3 completion percentage, which is the third lowest in the league. He's been a fit from a culture standpoint. It's so funny how... He and, and Slay are the yin and yang, so to speak, where Slay is the, the boisterous one, the gregarious personality, and Bradbury is the quiet, silent assassin, basically. Um, but he's smart. He's a long physical player. You know, he, his, his knowledge of the game, his communication skills have helped provide a lot of flexibility for Jonathan Gannon on the back end of the defense. Yep. And you look at the Giants right now, 18 players under injury report last week going into the game with the Commanders, including four cornerbacks. They also have injuries in the secondary to Xavier McKinney and Aaron Robinson, who are on reserve lists. The Giants, they happen to play with seven or more defensive backs. You touched on this with Greg on your podcast earlier in the week, but they play with seven or more defensive backs 10% of the time and as easily the most in the entire league. I think it's been like 72 snaps or something like that, and the next most has 20. The Raiders, 3, yeah. 3.6%. Right, it's wild. You know, so it's just one of those revisionist history. It's amazing what could have been. But tying into this upcoming matchup here, James Bradbury, who, you know, became a surprise free agent addition late in the offseason process, has been an absolute boon for the Eagles. And it was actually funny going into this game. You talk to the Brandon Grange, you talk to the guys who have been here for a while. I know for Eagles fans, Cowboys week is the biggest. To the players... Giants week will probably win the poll if you were to ask the big, biggest rival. Yeah, and uh, a lot of that has to do with the Giants having a lot more success in the last uh, you know ten plus years. Um, you know the the Cowboys, I, th- I believe if they win Sunday, they will have their first back to back ten win season since the mid nineties. Wow! Uh, so I think that just kind of speaks to why that rivalry has been. That where's way with where's the, the David Giants. Akers clip? Uh, you're right. So uh, I think that when you look at uh, at this rivalry, Eagles Giants, I think it does carry a little bit more weight. Um, and certainly for for James Bradbury, there was a lot of talk last week with AJ Brown going up against the the Titans. You're going to get that same level of juice, I think, from uh, from James Bradbury in this one. I, I wonder if he'll show the emotion that AJ Brown. Will. That's going to be the part you know, of that. See, one. he might, and that's what's interesting is that I think that you know from the people I've talked to and like the locker room and stuff is that. Um, James, I know he he gives off the vibe of like you know he's the uh, the silent silent assassin like you said he's a little bit more of the uh, he's got a little bit more personality I think than what he lets on okay uh, and, and so there, there's a little bit of I think there's a little bit of juice there 
that he might let out on Sunday. Maybe we'll see that. We'll see. So, so number two here, we're, we're talking about revenge game for James Bradbury. How about for Jalen Hurts? Mm. Okay. You go back to last season when the Eagles played against the Giants. And I want to say the Giants because they, of course, played the Jets uh, at MetLife Stadium. But when they played the Giants at MetLife Stadium. He didn't play the Jets game against MetLife. He didn't. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. He completed just 42, 45.2% of his attempts, threw for 129 yards and three interceptions for a 17.5 passer rating. Mm. Pro Football Focus had it as easily his worst graded regular season game of last season. And to your point you just made, he suffered the ankle injury, needed right, offseason. in the game, that's right. In the game, while, while playing from the pocket, needed to have offseason surgery, but he missed the following week's game against the Jets. Now, right. okay, it's a different coaching staff, okay? Wink Martindale's a defensive coordinator, and if you want to just get into the surface-level stats, 12th in points allowed are the Giants, 22nd in yards, 18th against the pass, uh, and 26th against the run. Football Outsiders, believe it or not, has this as the 28th best defense in terms of DVOA. Even mm. though the numbers are pretty good, Football Outsiders metrics, not as high on them. So we talked about the heavy defensive back personnel, and the thing is, when you're coming into this game, you know what the Giants are going to do. They're going to be bringing extra rushers. Heavy pressure. Heavy, heavy Flip a coin pressure. coin and they're blitzing. It's, it's like 49%, 49.8% blitz, something, something along those According lines. According to PFF, 42.2. So mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're right in line there. So most in the NFL, and this is it's so interesting that it's coming a week after facing a Titans team that was second to last, according to PFF, in terms of blitz rate. But, you know, this is what they do. This is who they are. Okay, now they're very successful in the red zone, fifth best red zone yep. defense. Well, the Eagles have the second best red zone offense, and coming in with Jalen Hurts, back to back player of the week honors. Okay, first Eagle to do so since Michael Vick in 2010, and he did it in different ways. Two weeks ago against the Packers, over 150 rushing yards, did it with his legs. Last week, 380 yards, three touchdowns through the air, and especially with Nazme design runs as previous weeks. Sure. So, obviously, I think that's going to be critical because when you look at the defensive personnel from the Giants, they're going to have some athletes on the field, okay? They're going to have ways, I think, that if the Eagles want uh, to utilize Hurts in the run game, I think the Giants will have the athletes to match up with them. The question now becomes, can the Eagles' offensive line and can the play calling make Hurts comfortable enough in the pocket that if he needs to win with his arm, He's able to do so. He's shown he could do it anyway, but to me, it seems like that's going to be the way to go this week. Yeah, I think that you know the 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 blitz situations have been really interesting this year because it's very apparent that teams are saying, you know what, we are going to try and blitz Jalen Hurts for the most part. That is what we've seen is that teams have upped their blitz percentage. We're going to try and blitz him. Uh, Jalen has been one of the best in the NFL this year against a four-man rush, and the numbers drop down against pressure. But what we've seen over the last few weeks is. Uh, the Eagles have been much better against the Blitz, and they're doing it in a lot of different ways. I'm going to get into some of those numbers uh, with Ben in the next segment, but uh, I think the other big aspect of this is if the Giants decide that they're going to come out and they're going to play uh, with those seven DBs, even if they do say we're going to play, you know, we're going to play dime and we're going to play with six defensive backs on the field, that they have been so susceptible to giving up huge gains on the ground. They actually have the worst explosive run rate of any defense in the league, 17 percent of the runs they've allowed have gone for 10-plus yards. Interesting. Uh, and I, I, and th- that is a symptom of the way that they play, right? Is yeah. They're going to they're gonna leave themselves open to that, and they are willing to accept that. Um, but I think in this game, uh, we'll see if the, if the Eagles are able to make them pay. Now, 
They've got they've, they've, they're they're losing two of their top three corners. Did not play last week. They they are definitely a little bit of a mash unit right now in the secondary. No Xavier McKinney. Uh, I, Aaron Robinson's on on uh, injured reserve. Uh, Darnay Holmes didn't play last week. Dory Jackson didn't play last week. So uh, they are definitely hurting from a depth standpoint. So you know the Eagles could look at that in a couple different ways you know, with run game, pass game. But if that's the way they're going to play. I think the run game is going to be very, very open for this okay. team on Sunday. It'll be interesting to see. So my last point here is the coaching chess match, mm. okay? I don't think – I'm going to start with the Eagles coaches. I don't think we've given them enough credit for the way they've been able to adapt this season. Offensively, we talked about how Jalen Hurts can win with his arm and his legs. This offensive coaching staff has found ways to win no matter what, and it could be independent of one another. Yep. And that's something you touched on with Greg on the podcast earlier in the week that – Okay, if the run game is not doing well and you need to win with the pass game, the Eagles are able to do so. It's not that one has to work off the other. Okay, defensively, defense the run defense was a little bit of a concern there. Well, they added in personnel. All of a sudden, they're going against a Titans team and the guys in the locker room, I think, got sick of hearing about how tough, how physical that Titans team is. And they went out and out-muscled them and dictated the tempo of the game to them. Special teams. Two weeks ago against the Packers, okay, not a great performance, especially in the kickoff return game. All of a sudden, N'Kobe Dean, Christian Ellis comes off the practice squad, helps out with the coverage units. Britton Covey has one of the best return games in for many years for the Eagles. They're able to get that back on track. So they're able to find ways to quickly change things up without really, you know, altering the process. The biggest thing talking to the guys in the locker room on on Sunday after the game about the special teams was that the approach was the same. It was just guys have to do their job, okay? So they changed some personnel. They did some things schematically, Britton Covey said. But overall, it's not like they just said, okay, we're going to throw everything out and start from scratch. Yep. It's, you know, we've got the guys that we want in here. Let's just make some, some few tweaks along the way, and we'll get that done. So flip side for the Giants, I've been very impressed by their coaching staff this season, Okay. Brian Dable has built an offense that cares to the strengths of Daniel Jones, who can beat you with his arm and his legs as well. Okay, That dual threat of running back between Jones and Saquon Barkley is going to be very difficult uh, to stop, even though Barkley has been banged up in recent weeks. I think that's shown a little bit on the tape. Um, and I'll give a hat tip to here to Miles Sanders with how tough he's been running no this doubt. season. Um, but as we talk about the offense going on against the Giants' defense, Giants are at a crossroads right now, okay? They're trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. They've only won one game since week eight. And, you know, you play the teams on your schedule, but that was against the one-win Texans. They're on a three-game winless streak, losing the previous two games before the tie with the Commanders. And injuries just seem like it might be too much to overcome for this team. So you always say you want to get off to a fast start. But similar to last Sunday's game against the Titans, I don't think the Giants can keep up in the shootout. If the Eagles can get ahead early, I just don't think the Giants have the horses to be able to keep up. Yeah, I think that's it's actually one of the things I've written down. It's something I'm going to hit on in the kickoff show is that especially against this team, I feel like that's something that would be really important is jump out early, force their offense to play from behind. I mean, right now, uh, if you look at the way that they are playing, they are uh, let me pull up the number. They are number number. Oh, actually, no, okay, I have that right here. Number three in the NFL in run and play action rate. So you take all of the runs and all the play action passes, you throw it together. They are number three, 67.3%. So that is the way they want to play. Two-thirds of their play uh, are runs and play actions. Uh, That's the way that they want to play. 
you want to take that away from them. You want to say, okay, we are going to make you drop back and pass. And there was a formula that the Eagles used last week against Tennessee. Hey, we're going to stop the run on early downs. We're going to get you into third and long. That's not that's where you are most uncomfortable, and we are going to prey on that. I feel like that's something that they can try and replicate here Sunday. Yeah. So that's really to me. I again, I've been impressed with the coach, with the coaches there have done with the Giants and turning that team around, making it you know, a viable contender. And this is, again, NFC East rivalry. The Eagles' one loss was to a division team already this season on mm. the Commanders, even though they're peaking. It seems like the Giants are kind of, like I said, they're at a crossroads. They're at a point where are they going to be able to keep their playoff hopes alive or are they going to kind of slide down the hill here? You know, it's going to be fascinating to watch here just to see the desperation from the Giants knowing that they need to pretty much have this game. Well, it's uh, plenty to talk about. Obviously, this is a team. these are two teams that are going to play each other uh, in just a few weeks back in week 18. We still don't know the, the day of that game. It's no. going to be a Saturday or Sunday game, the final week of the regular season. But uh, C-Mac, excited to break it down with you next week right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, time now to welcome in Ben Fennel for some chalk talk. And Ben, uh, Eagles game plan, we shot it this morning, Wednesday morning. So that everything that is going into the show is in the can. It is, it is recorded, it is shot. We start this week's episode with Eagles offense going up against this Giants defense. We start actually with uh, offensive line play uh, in the way that uh, not, not only the way this offensive line held up in pass protection against Tennessee, but also in the run game. Some really good flashes from the Eagles blue chip players against a tough physical Tennessee front. Yeah, I thought they really controlled the line of scrimmage. Maybe not the most successful game on the ground, a little bit more through the air and the 300 yards passing and you know three touchdowns by Jalen Hurts, but he was barely touched in that pocket. Yep. And a lot of that's done by setting the tone, running on early downs, really controlling that line of scrimmage. And then everything else opens up off of that. When you can run the ball effectively on early downs, which right out the gate, moving a big Jeffrey Simmons off the ball like that. First play. That's a tone-setting play. It maybe only went for five yards, but its impact was kind of trickle effect throughout the game, in my opinion. Yeah, and then obviously the we know that Tennessee, we talked last week about all the sim pressures and all the different things they do. That that started to become more prevalent as the game went on, but the Eagles, again, just consistently held up in pass protection. Miles Sanders showed up a couple of times as a blocker, so uh, just the the more of those plays, the better. We were able to show a couple of them in this episode. And Jalen Hurts knew where to go with the ball and got the ball out. Didn't yep. hold the ball into the down, didn't scramble a whole lot, kind of made his reads pre-snap, got to the top of his drop, and let him rip, whether it was to Devontae or a couple deep shots to A.J. Brown. And anytime you can be decisive with your reads and getting the football out, that's the best pass protection there is. So a lot of times those blitzes had no chance of getting home. And the Titans, there was a Rolodex of schemes, pressures. They brought linebackers, slot players. They dropped out players. All different things the Eagles saw. When you get rid of that ball, there's a lot of truth serum to that. It's tough to get home. Well, that Rolodex isn't going anywhere because that's exactly what they're going to see yep. here against the Giants. <laughs> and we know that Wink Martindale is going to send pressure from every which way. Uh, any down, first down, second down, third down, that's going to show up here in this game. This is a premier matchup of schemes. Shane Steichen's offense against Wink Martindale's defense. This is 1A, A, one and 1A kind of right now uh, in how they're kind of commanding their their per, you know uh, prospective units. But Wink Martindale, first year with the Giants, but it's the same old system, same old Wink. Heavy man-to-man scheme, so it's cover zero, cover one, two-man. Most most of the NFL, and uh, in definitely cover one, cover zero. Is, are they number one and two-man? Two-man, I think they're third, okay. but up there as well. Heavy pressure team. They're going to send a ton of pressure, aggressive pressure. This isn't, you know, Four-man, you know, zone pressures, no. five-man dog blitzes. Kitchen sink. They're going to send cover zero, overload yep. pressures, and really try to overwhelm you and suffocate you with their scheme. And they like to do it with fast guys. A lot of sub-personnel groupings. 
not just nickel, not just dime. We're going to see a lot of dollar as well, which is seven defensive backs. Remember, nickel five, dime six, dollar is seven, usually four defensive linemen. What is that kind of saying? They want their linebackers off the field. They want to load up with defensive backs, speed, 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 and let those guys up front like Kayvon Thibodeau, Shane Zaminis, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams uh, kind of feast up front. So just to give our listeners a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, what what you and I typically are doing on Mondays and Tuesdays to get ready for Eagles game plan and kind of get the rundown of the show together is, okay, what, what are the bones of the set of each block? All right, so A block, we're, we're that's tape study. B block, it's good. we're going to talk about Giants defense versus Eagles offense. All right, well, we know we got to cover the blitz scheme. All right, so when, what comes off of that? What, how do we talk about that when it comes to this matchup and how the Eagles are going to deal with the blitz? And you and I went back and forth. Well, what are Mike and I going to talk about? Is it going to be the empty sets? Is it going to be the screen game? Is it going to be the running backs and pass protection? Is it Jalen as a runner? Is it how they've adjusted uh, against the pass over, or against the blitz over the course of the last few weeks? So many different ways, and you and I kind of talked through it, and it was like, man, we can't squeeze all of it into the <laughs> show. Uh, but just, a, again, an example of how all the different tools this offense has at its disposal. Yeah, and it's nice to have all those, you know, weapons and tools in the toolkit and having multiple ways to, to win and to, uh, you know, have answers for the way defenses want to attack you. And I think the Giants are a pretty clear defensive philosophy. Heavy man, heavy pressure, heavy sub. You're going to get that on Sunday. Wink's not all of a sudden going to turn into, you know, Monty Kiffin out there and run some yep. Tampa 2 and be all vanilla. Wink's going to wink out there. So how do you beat those pressure schemes? Well, the Eagles have a lot of different ways, like you said. They love the screen when they're seeing pressure. Number one in the NFL versus the Blitz, throwing screen passes. No question. He loves to get the ball out of his hands. They love to go empty as well, which empty you think, oh, air raid, spread system, we're going to throw it around the yard. The big thing for empty guys is it's a truth serum for defensive pressure. You can't disguise. No the ball question. Out fast. And everyone loves these condensed sets where you know you bring everybody into the offense and what's called tight formations. Well, tight formations bring tight defenders, and it's really tough to decide and decipher Who's coming? Who's not coming? Who's a slot player? Who's the defensive end? Who's that outside linebacker? Gets murky. Suddenly you spread them out. Suddenly you start seeing who can come, who can't come, just based on alignment. So the empty has a lot of pros and cons. Well, there was the real quick. There was that play that Greg talked about on the podcast two weeks ago against Green Bay, where uh, it was a third down conversion to AJ Brown. Green Bay came out in a mug front, uh, so it was a, bl- a blitz look, a pressure look pre-snap. And Jalen Hurts took Kenny Gainwell and flexed him outside and moved him into an empty set. That forced Green Bay to get out of that pressure look and really declare who was coming and who was not. And I think on that third and medium play, it ended up being a QB draw, which is a whole other aspect of this offense and handling pressure. Buyer beware on third and medium. Most offenses, you can attack on third and four, third and five, as they're almost 95% pass. Not the Eagles. They'll run it on third and five, third and six. And if you want to watch some film... Go back and watch the Giants against the Ravens. Yeah. I just put a little play on Twitter. Yep. Giants came out in dime on third and five. Ravens ran QB power. Yep. Picked up 15 yards with Lamar Jackson. And they they brought a big hulking guard and big Patrick Ricard, who's a 300-pound fullback, up on a little nickelback. That's the matchup and the cat and mouse of it all. So I really want to see when the Giants feel comfortable of putting those smaller guys out there. And if the Eagles feel like, hey, we can attack that advantage on our end. And then to me, the other thing, I was going to use the stat for later, but I might as well just round out the conversation this way. Um, Looking at the way that the Eagles have handled the Blitz, I mentioned earlier they lead the NFL in screens against the Blitz. Well, since the bye week, we've seen them be a lot more aggressive. And in fact, since coming back, remember that game was against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the last you know five six games, uh, the Eagles actually lead the NFL in explosive pass plays against the Blitz. 
Davis, they have been much more aggressive throwing down the field. We saw it last week against Tennessee. We've seen it against Green Bay. We saw it against Houston. And we saw it in Pittsburgh where the Eagles are willing to – you know what? If you're going to blitz us, if you're going to play one-on-one against Devontae and A.J. on the outside – we're going to make you pay, and that's something that I feel like the Giants, they have to reconcile before they go into this matchup. And there's so many things to highlight in this Eagles' success and this run in 2022 and the changes with this you know, regime. I think we want to focus on O-line and run game and Hertz's development and the new you know players at our disposal on the outside. The ability to beat man coverage this year has just been phenomenal. Yep. And it goes back to the Detroit game early on and those vertical shots against single high man coverage. It's buyer beware with getting that extra hat into the box, sending pressure, and leaving those island coverages on the outside. Maybe the ball's not always thrown perfectly. That's okay. A.J. Brown is an alpha at the catch point. Devontae Smith has some of the greatest adjustments I've ever seen. It's a combination of the whole machine here. So I love that. It's a threatening run game. You want to get an extra hat into the box? Buyer beware on the outside because there are some alpha receivers at Jalen Hurts' disposal. Yeah, the Eagles beating man coverage both with personnel and with scheme, and then obviously Jalen's X-factor with his legs. Let's go to the other side, and obviously when you talk about this Eagles defense this past week against Tennessee, you got to start with the run defense and what they did against Derrick Henry. Zero broken tackles for Derrick Henry in this game. First time since 2019 that that has happened to him in a single game. Great performance there, holding him to 30 yards, and uh, that was a huge part of this win. Yeah, and there was no spectators uh, you know, out there. It was rallying and group tackling to the football as you need to get multiple hats onto Derrick Henry, one of the more physically imposing running backs. But I love just seeing how everyone was flocking to the football. Beautiful gap fits from all 11, not just the front. Safety's rolling down corners filling saw some great tackles from James Bradbury and Darius Slay filling that kind of C gap and close formations and having to put their face right into Derrick Henry yeah it's a bit of a drag down and wait for the cavalry to come that's okay that's what the corners do out there but I just love seeing all 11 contributing in so many different ways you know what the Titans are going to throw at you they were going to get heavy the Eagles matched heavy a lot of base personnel a lot of down safeties loading up the box and said let's go And I just thought it's a great ebb and flow from Jonathan Gannon to play high-powered pass offenses one week, play a little more coverage. Then the Tennessee Titans come to town, and we're going to load up and stop the run. So being having different personalities defensively is also part of winning in this league. If you're one thing, it's pretty easy to be attacked. So it's great to see them ebb and flow based on uh, what the opponent does. And when you and I are putting the show together, we're always looking for these blocks again to kind of flow from one segment to the next segment to the next segment. So uh, knowing that, all right, well, we're gonna we have to hit on the run defense. It made it very easy for that giant segment to be all about the run game. And yes, like Saquon Barkley, you have to stop Saquon. Um, but you were really hitting the hammer that it's, it's not just Saquon. You have to stop Daniel Jones, the runner, as well. There are parallels on paper between the Titans and the Giants. Statistically, two teams that want to run the ball, a yep. lot of play action. But they're doing it much differently. Daniel Jones is involved with the Giants, not so much Ryan Tannehill with the Titans. And how is he being involved? A lot of option runs. So while the Titans want to move the defensive ends, the Giants are going to be reading defensive ends. A lot of unblocked plays this week for Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, whoever's at defensive end there. You're going to see them unblocked, a lot of QB zone reads, but then just straight QB designed runs. A lot of an extension of things you see with Josh Allen out in Buffalo, straight QB power, single wing concepts that are a little bit more old school. Remember, Brian Dable coming over from the Buffalo Bills has a player that embodies some Josh Allen-like ability. Big, tall, mobile, athletic, fast. Josh Allen a little bit more advanced as a passer with that howitzer arm, absolutely. But Daniel Jones knows who he is, and the coaching staff knows who he is. He's playing very, very safe. 
So a lot of the option runs, QB design runs, and he has full authority to scramble anytime he wants to. So that's coming at the expense of explosive pass plays, Mm. making a lot of plays with his legs. Actually, the third most scrambles in the NFL right now. Wow. Ahead of Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Just behind Justin Fields and Josh Allen. So that's a pretty good company to be in. He knows his ability. He is a big, good-looking quarterback that can move around. Do not sleep on Daniel Jones, as Eagles fans remember. No question. He's taken off and run a couple times on him. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's busted off some big gains uh, against this defense over the years, uh, and that's why containing Daniel Jones and confining him to the pocket will be so important for this team. They love to move the pocket by design, and all those design boots and rollouts, those nakeds rolling both right and left, uh, that will be big. And so we said, all right, well, is there a way we can kind of show the ability to contain and how to limit some of those big plays on the ground? It just so happens that Fletcher Cox had a sack on third down in this game against Tennessee. <laughs> was a great example of just pursuit angles and being able to cut off a quarterback uh, on the move where he was able to bring down Ryan Tannehill. Uh, so that play, a nice, easy square peg into a square hole. Yeah, there's some really good instincts there. Some other change in ebbs and flows that I expect to see this week, maybe a QB spy in some yeah. certain situations. Interesting. Okay. Also, if you define pass rushing as 100%, Yep. May see 75% rushes this week, as we call mush rushes. Yep. Maybe not accelerating upfield, but maybe trying to keep him in the pocket where they feel like that's where defensively they're at their best in attacking the Giants, keeping Jones in the pocket. And if you like to, if you do want to send pressure, you're selective in terms of where that pressure is coming from. If you understand, and I, I haven't looked at all of uh, Daniel Jones' scrambles to say, okay, does he like to step up and out? Does he like to escape out the back door? But you want to make sure they say, okay, if he likes to do X, well, we want to force him to do Y and Z. So that's you're going to send your pressure through the path that he typically likes to exit. Shut that door on him, mm-hmm. make him go a different and path. And be sure the coaching staff here has all his tendencies worked oh, out, yeah, leaning no up into Sunday, and we'll do everything they can to force him in to what he doesn't want to do. All right, so I shared my stat, my favorite stat during my research this week, the Eagles leading the league in explosive plays against the Blitz since their bye week. Uh, what was your uh, stat that stood out most to you? Yeah, we talked about Daniel Jones scrambling third most actually the fourth highest out of pocket rate so he likes to leave the pocket for a variety of reasons whether running or maybe keeping his eyes up also the conservative nature of this offense is very interesting four percent of his deep of his passing attempts are deep that's the lowest in the next gen era since 2016 for a starting quarterback with x number of uh, next gen era was 2016 16 or 17 17, right in there but Uh, I thought that was amazing just to show how conservative he's being by pushing the ball down the field. But remember, folks, this Giants receiving core, third highest paid group in the NFL. Hmm. But that's Kenny Galladay and uh, Sterling Shepard for the most part who aren't contributing. Yeah, and Kadarius Tony, they traded to the Chiefs. He does not have the weapons on the outside to push it down the field. Great connection with Darius Slayton. We've seen him him in the past as well. But the conservative nature is also a bit of the product of the talent as well. Mm. So I think they're looking to retool, add some more parts around this offense uh, for years to come. But right now, taking off and running and protecting the ball, playing ball control is the best way and the best formula for the Giants. A lot of like the way Alex Smith played for a while with the 49ers and the Chiefs. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's going to be fascinating to see what they decide to do with Daniel Jones uh, once we get to the offseason. Let's wrap this up here, Ben, with our matchups that matter. Uh, I'll go first here because I, I will say, uh, you know, you mentioned you you did two Giants games this year. You did them against the Baltimore Ravens and against the Texans. Texans. Yep. Okay, so uh, you, you would think, oh, you know, Ben doing his work on Sundays with CBS, he's doing more AFC teams. He's actually had the Giants twice here. It's been a weird year. Uh, and weird one, year. Thing, one thing asking you beforehand, like, hey, uh, what should I keep an eye on as I'm getting ready to watch my Giants film a couple weeks ago? You said Dexter Lawrence is playing his tail off, and he absolutely is. I mean, he leads their team right now in run stops. He leads 
the team in pressures, uh, career highs in both. I think when you look at this point in the season, he has done an outstanding job winning from the interior. So uh, you look at him versus Jason Kelsey. That is a strength-on-strength uh, strength matchup here in this game, and it's a big one to watch, especially with uh, Leonard Williams dealing with a little bit of an injury here. It's kind of uncertain of whether or not he's going to be able to go on Sunday. So Kelsey against Lawrence, and obviously that's going to be a Sayamalo and, and Dickerson yep. battle as well, but really all three of those interior guys handling Dexter Lawrence. Will be and there's a handful assignment every week, seemingly, in the, right. the, across the NFL, and Titans fans weren't shy about letting us know that Jeffrey Simmons wasn't 100% on Sunday, so of course you always get that chatter, yeah. but another one's going to step up, and Dexter Lawrence, freak show nose tackle. He's a very quick-footed guy, a lot like the way Javon Hargrave plays mm. here in Philadelphia. But I'll go on the other side of the ball. We talked about that battle. Wink against Shane Steichen. That's my one-on-one matchup Love of this okay. week. I want to see those two schemes battle, and there's some philosophical approaches they both bring. It's going to be a battle on Sunday at MetLife. Really excited for this one. Well, Ben, plenty for us to break down. We'll be doing that uh, here next week on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you later this week on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. We're going to be talking through a new mock draft. We've got some more Senior Bowl, Shrine Bowl announcements. Plenty to hit on. Remember, right now, the Eagles, as it stands right now, I believe it's the sixth overall pick coming from New Orleans. So you want to know who those top draft prospects are, make sure you tune into the Journey to the Draft podcast wherever podcasts can be found. What's this matchup look like from the other side? It's time to find out in Faux Focus. Well, joining us here this week for Faux Focus on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, Jordan Renan. You can follow him on Twitter at Jordan Renan, ESPN NFL Nation reporter covering the New York Giants. Jordan, welcome back to the show, man. Great to have you on. You got a friend anytime, man. You know, we got two late season matchups here. <laughs> <laughs> and plenty to talk about. Obviously, look, the uh, the season for the Giants started off so hot. It's tilted a little bit, but um, this is a yeah. team that is getting some reinforcements back, some guys re-entering the lineup last week. And we will start on that side of the football because the offense did get a little bit of extra juice here this week with some of those guys re-entering the, the roster. But uh, I'm going to ask you to put on your Mike Kafka okay. hat. You're the Giants offensive coordinator. What is the biggest strength for this offense going into this game against the Eagles? Yeah, let me start with this. I really don't want to be in Mike Kafka's situation because when you look at the web, when you look at the weapons and the the personnel that he's dealing with, you know you're limited. So you're starting at a disadvantage, right? They're not a great pass protecting group. Okay, so you start there. I'm talking yeah. about the offensive line, and then you add to that is their weapons, especially on the outside receivers, tight ends. They're just non-existent. They really don't have anything. They don't have a high level player at any of those spots. Darius Slayton who, by the way, started this season as their number seven wide receiver, is their number one wide receiver. So that's what he's working with. So starting there, based on that, you say, okay, what does Mike Kafka need to do? It's get, it's run the ball. The Giants have to find a way to run the ball more effectively. Uh, the, the key for Saquon Barkley was yards before first contact, right? He's not a big run through, run through guys uh, at yards after contact guy. That's the stat. That's the category where the Giants earlier in the season when things were working, you get him some open space, you get him started, that's when he could do a lot of damage. So you have to find a way to get him space, get him the ball in space. And even if that means at this point, finding ways in the passing game, the Giants really haven't been able to get him involved very often in the passing game. The screen game has been non-existent. Just find ways to get Saquon Barkley going, get him started, and that's when he could do his damage. So if I'm Mike Kafka, I'm trying to think of any way humanly possible to get Saquon Barkley into any sort of open field because that is the only thing that gives this offense a chance to succeed because they're not going to put themselves in situations where they have to pass the ball 
and when they're in situations where they have no choice and the defense can just go back and tee off on their offensive line and create pressure, and then Daniel Jones, who's he throwing to? You can basically play one-on-one, and you're deba- debatable whether they're going to get you know any significant separation. So uh, that that's the plan if I'm confident. So, so let me ask you this, because we're now 13 weeks uh, into the season with the new regime there, uh, new general manager, new coaching staff. Daniel Jones, you mentioned the, the, the deck is stacked against him from a protection standpoint, from a playmaker standpoint. What, what is your take uh, on how Daniel Jones has looked? How, how do you anticipate that situation playing out with him once we reach the offseason? Yeah, that's it's a tricky one because I think what we know is Daniel Jones is a quality starting quarterback in the NFL, right? If you stack up the 32 starters, maybe he lands like right in the middle. He's at like 16, right? He's in the Ryan Tannehill range. Now, we haven't seen if he could be more than that because he hasn't had the opportunity. He yeah. really hasn't had a number one receiver in his four years, which is crazy. And this is his first season actually even playing with Saquon, a healthy Saquon, I should say. So with that being said, it's like I, I feel confident the Giants have a, a quality starting quarterback. The, the question is then, is it someone you want to invest in long term? Because now you got to pay him in some way, shape, or form. Like, do you really want to invest? Are you really willing to build your team around that? And I have my doubts the Giants didn't talk to him about a contract during a bye week. They did with Saquon. And the one thing that Brian Dable keeps saying over and over is Daniel Jones is doing everything we ask him to do. Mm. And yes, part of that is personnel related, right? They don't, like we mentioned before, they're limited uh, offensive line and weapons. But part of that is also how much does he really trust in Daniel Jones to go back there and just sling it around like he did with Josh Allen and Buffalo. Because you, you just look at their offenses. They're way different offenses from what Dable had last year in Buffalo. And what he has this year right now with the Giants. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating just to see how they decide to play it because uh, obviously you yeah. only have one first-round pick. And so do you use that and future picks to try and move up and get a quarterback? You've probably played yourself out of that top 10 to get in striking distance of one of the blue-chip guys. Do you use that pick to instead get a playmaker and bring Daniel Jones back and see what he can do? It's going to be fascinating to see how they play this after what they yeah. did last offseason, which uh, was really, I mean, the, the early returns on some of the moves that they made uh, have been really strong so far. Yeah. Real, real quick, Fran, they had the 21st pick in Buffalo, and those you know, those guys were there in Buffalo. Yep. And that 21st pick, they end up trading up twice. They end up at seven and end up with Josh Allen. Yeah, uh, that's it's going to be interesting to see if they try and mirror that plan uh, going into year two. It'll be fast. It's going to be one of the more interesting teams to follow here uh, this spring and then certainly yeah, uh, through be. the draft. Um, let's go to the other side of the ball. Uh, Wink okay. Martindale, defensive coordinator. You put on your Wink hat. What is the biggest strength of this defense right now? We have, we know the identity. We've talked through the identity here on the show, but what is their biggest strength on defense going into this game against the Eagles? Yeah, blitz, blitz, blitz is what he does, right? Yeah. But now uh, you watch them play last week against Washington, and you know Taylor Heineke was sacked like three times, I believe, in like previous like five games, and he was sacked five times the other day, and. They got a little healthier on that pass rush. Kayvon Thibodeau, the rookie, is playing better. He had a pass rush win, win rate this week of 30.4%, mm. which is a absurdly high number. That's a really good number. They got Aziz Ojolari back on the other side, and all of a sudden the Giants are now in business. Right, His pass rush win rate was like close to 16%, which is still really solid. Got a strip sack fumble, uh, forced a penalty. Like They have now those two guys on the edges with Dexter Lawrence in the middle. And Leonard Williams, if he plays as well, he's dealing with a little neck injury. We'll find out more as the week goes along here. But now all of a sudden, the Giants' pass rush becomes a lot more intimidating. It becomes a lot lot more uh, 
realistic that they could create pressure without having to blitz all the time. I know he's going to blitz regardless because that's just yep. what Wink Martindale does. Uh, but And that puts a lot of stress on their back end, which if you're going to say what's the, the negative of the defense, that's it right now. That's their cornerback position is bare. And uh, it's funny, they come into this game and now they have to look up James Bradbury on the other side. And the Giants are starting Fabian Moreau as their number one cornerback. So that's where they're at on defense. So if they can pressure enough, they could have success. The run defense isn't ultimately great. You can run at the edges on them, particularly. That's where you could do your damage. So that'll be a big problem for them. But uh, you would think that they should be able to pressure the quarterback this week against the Eagles. For Eagles fans that have not really watched this defense too much, I mean, we talked about it. You know, Dexter Lawrence has been so productive this year. Ojalari coming off the off injured reserve and being so impactful for them. Thibodeau going in the top ten of this past draft. If there's one guy where the Eagles, if you're an Eagles fan, you say you know we have to circle this guy. That's the guy that yeah. we cannot let beat us. Who is that in your mind? Is Dexter it Lawrence? Lawrence. Is it yeah, he's Lawrence. he's okay. played at an insanely high level this year. I mean, his pass rush win rate is like. Uh, you know, close to that 17% range. It's like basically almost double what it was coming into the season. Yeah. So he's been that good this year. He's like, he, he's he's pressuring the quarterback from the interior at a rate similar to uh, Javon Hargrave, who's, who's always up there near the top of the league in that category. So just an idea of how well he's playing. Uh, that That's it right there. He's the guy. If, he, if you could prevent him from getting that interior pressure, you'll be in good shape against this Giants defense because you you can exploit that secondary. And the linebacker core. The linebacker core is especially in the middle. I mean, they're starting Jalen Smith. He was on the couch several weeks into the season. Yeah, it's uh, it's and that's why they're they're playing more seven defensive back sets than anybody. They're trying to get those linebackers off the field as fast as oh, possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Jordan, if you're uh, Brian Dable going into this game, what's the biggest concern? What's the number one issue that's keeping you up late at night this week? Oh, it's really the interior of the Eagles' defensive line. Like, you know, like Javon Hargrave, Fletcher, Fletcher Cox, even the, the Damacon Sue. Like, that's a weakness of the Giants. It's the interior of their offensive line. Uh, and so, you know, if you get that pressure and you're, you're constantly getting pushed in there five yards into the backfield, it's hard to sustain any sort of offense. And I think that if I'm Brian Dable, I have to try to find a way to figure that out. And I think – one thing that they have done, you saw it against a team like Dallas where they knew they just couldn't hold up. Daniel Jones uh, moving the pocket for him, getting him outside the pocket, having him on the move constantly is one of the solutions that they've done throughout this year. And I, I would expect that again this week because I don't, I don't think they can just line up and hold up one-on-one uh, -on -one in the interior there uh, with their offensive line against some of the Eagles uh, on the interior there. Yeah, and that's why this team, the, the Giants, is top three in the NFL in terms of run and play action rate, just trying to keep yeah. that, help out that interior line as best you can. Uh, last question. Fran, for you, it's, Fran it's really why the Eagles have dominated them over the past few years because that mm -hmm. interior of the Eagles has always been a strength, right? Yeah. And it's been a huge weakness of the Giants they still haven't fixed. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, despite throwing assets at it too, right? I mean, you saw a second round pick and Will Hernandez a few yep. years back. They've spent free agent dollars at the position, uh, just have not been able to solidify it to the level that they would have liked. Um, last question for you, Jordan. Just the most important matchup on Sunday. Is there one one on one battle you feel like could tilt this way one way or the other? Uh, yeah, I mean, AJ Brown against Fabian Moreau, or mm. you know, whatever the Giants decide to do there. I, they just don't have anyone that can deal with him. I mean, I can sit there and say the same about Devontae Smith on the other side, too, but A.J. Brown is is Jalen Hurts' number one guy. He's done serious damage this year. Uh, you saw what Terry McLaurin did last week when it was Fabian Moreau trying to follow him around the field. 
Uh, that's just a tough one for the Giants to handle. Uh, and, you know, Wink isn't going to back down and, you know, give, give uh, you know, a lot of help to Fabian Moreau consistently. I mean, he's going to blitz. That's what he does. He yeah. says, puts his guys in man coverage and says, you know, we need you to cover. So if the, if the, Giant, if the Giants allow Jalen Hurts enough time where he could find A.J. Brown in that matchup, I mean, it's a matchup that you, if you're on the Giants' side, you just have to be petrified about. Jordan Renan, you can follow him on Twitter, at Jordan Renan, my number one source uh, for all info when it comes to the New York Giants. Jordan, thanks so much for joining us here once again on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, and we'll talk to you again soon. My man, friend, anytime for you, man. All right, so great stuff there from Jordan Renan. We've already talked a decent amount here on this show about our Eagles game plan episode. It's going to be Mike Quick, uh, Ike Reese, Greg Cosell, myself, Kevin Petullo, Gabriella Giovanni. She's playing host this week. And uh, all of us uh, getting you ready for this week against the Giants. Couldn't fit all of our analysis into that show. So some of the stuff on the cutting room floor, we saved here right for you. Yeah, this game was going to be about the more physical team, the tougher team, yes. imposing their will on the opponent. And the Eagles clearly came out on both sides of the ball at the line of scrimmage and dominated. Their defensive line dominated Tennessee's offensive line. And you watch what this offensive line was able to do against a very good Tennessee front. Everything Tennessee d- does on defense, it starts with those guys up front. And the fact that Jalen virtually sat back there clean last Sunday and completed 29 out of 39 passes. Arguably his best performance throwing the football, and it all starts with those guys up front giving him the time to throw the ball and protecting him. But this will be a mental challenge for the offensive line and for Jalen Hurts. And by the way, it's a physical challenge as well because this is a giant defense that often plays with seven defensive backs. 21 snaps of it a week ago. Those are fast, athletic players, and they make it difficult for your offensive line to react to it as good as the Eagles' offensive line is. So I am really looking forward to this matchup. The Giants' defense with their speed, their blitzing, their man coverage versus an Eagles' offense playing at a very high level. Yeah, another way you can counter what they're doing. Listen, this is a chess match between Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator of the Giants, and Jalen Hurts when he's out there on the field. What Jalen Hurts is saying in his pre-snap recognition, he can have a counter to whatever Wink Martindale wants to do when it comes to bringing extra pressure. And you'll notice sometimes Jalen will motion to back out to an empty set just to see how the defense is going to react to that. If you get the linebacker or safety leaving with the running back, he knows that's man coverage. That is a more clear defined sort of way for Jalen to figure out where he wants to go with the football, whether it's through the air or how about this, his ability to call quarterback draws or quarterback runs. So, you know, that's that chess match that'll go on between Jalen and the defensive coordinator. He's going to blitz. Wink Martindale blitzes 49, 50% of the time. So we need to be prepared for that. How about the trust between Jalen Hurts and his two receivers, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith? Big games for them on Sunday. What do you expect to see against the Giants? I think similar because they're going to get some man coverage on the outside against the Giants. And I love the fact that he trusts these guys. He's going to throw them the ball even if the coverage is tight. Even sometimes they're covered. That one that one touchdown pass Ooh. to A.J., he was completely covered. Mm-hmm. He just with late hands reaches over the defender, takes the football away. And a quarterback has to have that confidence in his wide receivers that they're going to make the play or they're not going to allow him to get intercepted. They really have that good chemistry now. 
And that's what I expect to see against the Giants. And the flip side to a team blitzing as much as a team like the Giants does is the Eagles can get the ball out of their hands quick. You get yes. the ball in the hands of A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith on the perimeter. You get those linemen out in front of them. It's off to the races. So, you know, you decide to bring extra guys, you would better be correct or this Eagles offense will make you pay. There's so many layers to this offense that they have so many ways to make you pay when you blitz. Regardless of what the defense that they throw at you, there's always an answer to it with this offense. And we've seen that in the past where Daniel Jones would get out of the pocket and get downfield and make big plays. And that's one of the best ways that they're running the football. Daniel Jones is making big plays, explosive plays with his ability to run the football. Last week was one of the first times or the first time this season that the Eagles didn't get a turnover. They need to get back to that. Now, Daniel Jones in the past has turned the ball over quite a bit. This year, not so much. He's taking care of the football. But on Sunday, he's going to get a lot of pressure in his face, and it should be an opportunity for the guys on the back end to get back to their winning ways and turning the football over. Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat had big days on Sunday. What kind of advantage do they have against the Giants offense this week? Well, you look at Hassan Reddick and, and Josh Sweat, two of your more athletic defensive ends. You know, I love the fact that Hassan Reddick considers himself a weapon. You can line him up anywhere. He can go inside. He can come outside. And, and Josh Sweat, I think, is getting very comfortable rushing from that right end, man. And, yes. and to see him get out to the quarterback, he's a lot longer than I originally thought so he has the ability to use that those long arms to get to the quarterback and get that football out of there I think you're talking about two very good athletes that rush between either being an outside linebacker and a defensive end that makes it very difficult for tackles to be able to keep up with them in the tackles in New York they're going to have the same problems that the tackles in Tennessee had against these guys Josh Sweat on the one sack he starts up the field. They have a guy on the outside of the tackle to chip. He starts at him, but then he goes underneath this guy. He wipes the right arm of the tackle off and goes right to the quarterback. And it's so quick. His movements, his hand-to-hand -hand combat is so good right now. They're going to be a problem for the Giants. And be sure to check out Eagles Game Plan. Great stuff from the Eagles Game Plan crew. Thanks to them, and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.